Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing excellent. How about yourself? Are you really doing that? You're doing that well, huh? Well, what are you, do you want me to tell you? No, I'm just doing horrible. Life is no, no, I don't care. blue. Do you right, think the stop. audience cares about this stuff? No one cares. I'm but doing wonderful. You know what? I'm doing wonderful. We're going to be talking today about qualified opportunity zones. Dun, dun. <laughs> Cue the suspenseful music. It's way more exciting than it sounds. It, these things are amazing. Okay, so let's let's get into this. Yeah, so today's the, today's topic is qualified opportunity zones. So qualified opportunity zones are basically they're portions of the country that are economically disadvantaged, and if you invest in those areas, you get incredibly favorable tax treatment. Okay, so we're going to get into the more details on that later in the podcast. But first, let's start with the history of these things, Brad. Uh, <laughs> let's take it away. Oh, gee, thanks. Well, I actually don't know the full history, but you know, it essentially started with you heard of an enterprise zone, right? So they ha they've had these programs before where their government tries to incentivize businesses to make investments in certain areas, and they're incentivizing these companies through tax breaks. Now, this uh, this particular tax incentive, the Opportunity Zone, was believe it or not initiated by Sean Parker. Of Napster fame. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there is a fascinating story here, right? Sean Parker, who made a bunch of money, uh, I guess mainly off of Facebook. Facebook, yeah. Uh, although he did start Napster, which, uh, you know, my 22-year-old self downloading songs off the internet back in 2000 and whatever that was, one, thanks him. He He's doing good stuff with his money. And so part, what he's doing right now is he's um, he's basically trying to help disadvantaged areas of the United States. And he cooked up this scheme. <laughs> Scheme. <laughs> this uh, this plan, I should say. And uh, Sean Parker went out and networked with congressmen and business leaders and senators. And he essentially got a, a bill or a sort of, a, I guess, a, some language in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. We all remember that. And that language basically stipulates these uh, areas called qualified opportunity zones and these entities called qualified opportunity funds that can invest in those zones. And there are some incredible tax breaks to be had by investing in these zones. And that's essentially what we're going to be talking about today is the the tax benefits of investing in qualified opportunity zones. Okay, so why? So let's back up. Why did he do this? Well, you know, there's right there's six point one trillion dollars of money that's sort of capital gains that is sitting out there in people's bank accounts. Right? They haven't maybe sold. You know, this is like if you invest in a stock and that stock appreciates, and so you have capital gains, but you haven't realized those capital gains by selling that stock. That is, it is money that you're sort of not utilizing and that the, the world can benefit from. And so the, the idea behind this plan was like, hey, there's a bunch of money out there that it's, uh, that's sitting in capital gains that people aren't doing anything with. Let's funnel it into disadvantaged areas of the United States and do good things with them. Right, Brad? Yeah, it's, it's designed to unlock that capital, right? It's to encourage long-term investment with patient capital into low-income communities across the country. So by incentivizing people through this tax break, they would put money into areas and projects that they might not have otherwise even looked at. Right. Okay. And there's two, okay, there's two key concepts that we're going to wrap our head around today. One is the opportunity zone. One is the opportunity fund. Uh, let's start with the opportunity fund. Brad, how would you describe one of these things? An opportunity fund? The fund, yeah. It's an investment vehicle. So it's just like if you went into a real estate fund or even a hedge fund, right? So it's a special purpose vehicle, SPV. That's designed to invest at least 90% of its capital in one of these qualified opportunity zones, which we'll talk about. Yeah, and a fund is just a fancy way of saying a, a 
a partnership like an LLC or a C corp or you know some sort of legal entity that whose job it is is to invest money, right? Well, the weird thing is they've called it a fund, and a fund usually implies that there's multiple assets. That doesn't it doesn't necessarily have to be a fund. It doesn't have to be you know ten properties or ten companies. It can be one singular asset. Yeah, exactly. I think the I think the key here is that this is not something you can just you know do on your own and put your own money and you have to you have to invest in these zones through funds. And those funds are designed to deploy their assets in opportunity zones. Okay, so 90%, it's 90%, right? 90% of its capital in these qualified opportunity zones. And then this fund needs to get tested twice a year by the IRS to make sure that that 90% of the capital has been deployed. Now, you can actually... Or not can, deployed, but... It, yeah, well, yeah, sorry. It, it, you can put it to work in a... You can hold it for 30 months in a separate entity of that fund. So they, they consider that deployed, right? But you might just be waiting for the, the development project to happen or the company's just keeping that, that capital in reserve. So you don't actually have to spend it right away, but you have to have it, quote, allocated towards the project and you have 30 months to spend it. Gotcha. Okay. So, okay. So that, and that is the qualified opportunity fund. It is a, it's an LLC or it's a C corp or something like that. Who's you know, whose purpose is to put money to work in these qualified opportunity zones. Okay. So let's talk about the qualified opportunity zones. Brad, what is a qualified opportunity zone? Yeah, it's a census tract. So it's an area within a state that has been nominated by that state's governor. uh, And then it's been certified by the U.S. Department of the Treasury as one of these zones that could use extra capital, right? So think of downtown areas that maybe are not fully developed or areas within that state where the, the governor and his team have decided that that area is up and coming, could use some reinvestment, could use a lot of capital to improve the buildings or area. Yeah. So these are economically disadvantaged areas. They are, they're sort of designated as census tracts. There's 70, I think there's 73,000 census tracts in the United States. 8,700 of them have been designated as qualified opportunity zones. So they're out there. So these are these are areas of the country. Yeah, this you, is great because yeah. when I heard this, I, I immediately thought, oh, well, this is going to be needle in the haystack, areas that you, you'd never want to invest with. They're literally just forcing your hand yeah, to invest exactly. in these areas. Like there, you know, there's going to be seven of these spots. And yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of how the enterprise zones uh, were. They were just really remote and, you know, there wasn't that many of them. So it wasn't really effective. Yeah. So this is I mean, this is the beauty of this language in this bill is that it's actually pretty practical and it, and and it's pretty it's relatively simple to make this happen invest in these in these zones and make and and uh, realize the tax benefits yeah and it's it's at scale right it is meant to be a very big program uh okay so let's talk about the the beauty of you know the benefits here what are the tax benefits of investing yeah why in an this? opportunity zone via an opportunity fund what do you get brad this is exciting oh my god i can't even i can't wait tell us <laughs> tell us what we get <laughs> Okay, first and foremost, it's the triple threat. It is the triple threat. You get the deferral of capital gain. So, say you're sitting on a million dollar gain on of Apple stock, you know, good for you. Now, you have that that big gain and you're you're sitting on that stock and you're like, oh, "I don't even know if I should sell it because I don't want to pay 23.8% in cap gains tax to the federal government." Well, now you can actually sell that all that million dollar gain, sell it and immediately uh, put it into an opportunity fund within 180 days, and you don't have to pay a dime. Sorry, of capital uh, gain. I, this sounds too good to be true. Can, it you, is. can you can you say that again? You don't have to spend <laughs> one dollar with the IRS 
sell that stock and get that million dollar gain. And I remember reading about this and I thought I did think it was too good to be true. I'm like, this can't be right. But it's it's amazing, right? So you, you, you and again, so this is just capital gains, right? So this is the the appreciation on an investment that you've made in you know, real estate property or a stock or something like that. Just the gains, right? So you invest two hundred thousand dollars in Apple and now it's worth one point two million. You have a million dollars in capital gains. If you sold that stock, you'd have to pay taxes on that million dollars, but you do not have to pay you do, you can defer those capital gains tax if you invest them in a qualified yeah, opportunity. Yeah, that, that's the catch. It's not you never have to pay. It's you are paying at a later date, which is still wonderful. Although, too. yeah, and there's a benefit here too. So let's talk about that. So you, so the first benefit is you've deferred the capital gains. Now let's talk about the second one. Yeah, so you defer the capital gains at, until at least uh, December 31st, 2026. So or, or point, I would say or the earlier of when you sell the the investment, right? So you don't you can, yeah you don't have to hold that's a good point yeah. you don't have to hold it to twenty six but it, you know it's better to uh, defer as long as possible if if that makes sense so at that point then you get because that would be five years into the hold period of this opportunity fund you get a ten percent discount off that original gain so in other words that million dollar gain now magically has become a nine hundred thousand dollar gain for tax purposes for tax purposes right. only. And that's after five years. Correct. And then after 15, or excuse me, after seven years, that goes up another 5%. So that's a 15% or a 15% decrease in your, in your taxes. You, you crush that. Yeah. So that's amazing, right? So you, not only have you deferred your capital gains in this million dollars in Apple stock that you've, you were so wise to invest in. Brilliant. You also get a 15% discount on that tax in seven years. So again, incredible, right? Incredible. And that's, that's not all. <laughs> There's... <laughs> There's and one. There's more. There's one final benefit, and this one is just the most amazing one of all. Uh, yeah. So talk about this. If you hold the investment for ten years, what happens? So you put that million dollars into an opportunity fund, and say that opportunity fund sponsor goes and buys a building or a series of buildings in Phoenix, Arizona. Then that property does well and appreciates, presumably, assuming you put it with a decent sponsor. And then the gains from that a million dollars over that 10 year, all the gains. So you could have double, triple that million dollars. Yeah, that million might be worth 2 million now. Could be, that probably should be worth it more than that. A double over 10 years <laughs> isn't that great. Right? Well, that's a 7% return. Or let's say it's worth 3 million. Yeah, so that's better. How much taxes are you paying on that? Zero. Three? Get out of here. Zero taxes on Get that, that here. extra $2 million gain. Yeah. So, you, okay. Yeah, I mean, that is unbelievable. I, I I don't get excited about taxes too frequently, but today is one of those days that I am excited. Yeah, because if you think about it, you only get to take home after tax, right? Everybody thinks about Oh, what's the the gross return? What's the IRR? What what is my cash on cash return? Well, that's great, but you also have to think about well, actually, what am I going to put in the bank at the end of the day after I pay Uncle Sam? Yeah, and it's surprising how much that can add up. So, <clears throat> all right, just to recap: so one, you defer the capital gains, uh, I guess, up to seven years, right? So you can, if you sell the investment before seven years, fine. You have to pay the capital gains of that, the taxes on the capital gains at that point, but you can defer those capital gains up to seven years. You can get a 15% discount on those capital gains taxes, and then you can get a um, you can essentially wipe out all of the taxes that you would owe on any increase in those gains that you've made as a result of investing in this deal if you've held it for 10 years. So, I mean, this is phenomenal. But if we've confused you with that, which we probably have, because <laughs> we've confused ourselves, um, I think, Brad, you might have an example for our listeners. Is that right? I do. So, All right. So let's walk. We're going to walk through a real example here. Yeah. So bear with us on the math. There's going to be a... You know, some numbers involved. We're going to do, do some rounding. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to round. So you'll get it in concept. 
So if you had that same million dollar gain in, in that Apple stock or whatever, you could have sold a house, you could have sold a business, right? You just have a million dollar gain. Now, if you had sold it and you had paid the taxes on it, long-term capital gains, the max federal rate is 23.8 right now. It's 20 and then they, you know, the government added that 3.8, what, a couple of years ago. So at 23.8, you have to pay the taxes right then and there on that million-dollar gain if you're not participating in this wonderful opportunity. Okay, so how much are you left with? You're left with $762,000. That's what you can put in the bank. That's what you can put in the bank, and that's what you could reinvest in something else. Or, yeah, you could pay little little Timmy's private school education with that. (laughs) So, well, good for Timmy. So (laughs) you take that. that, So say you take that $762,000 and you went out and you invested in something else. Then you get a 10% return on that. Just assume for the next 10 years, you're going to get a 10% return. So this would be like if you took that money and you invest in the stock market. Yeah. And you made 10%. Exactly. Okay. Now go backwards in time and and instead do an opportunity fund via this program. You take that full million dollars and you invest that that same capital, right? Because you you don't pay pay the taxes, taxes right? So you have a million dollars to invest. You you invest that in an opportunity zone and you earn that same 10% compounded return. Gotcha. Okay. So we have two scenarios here, one in which you've paid the capital gains tax and the million dollar gain, and you've invested that at 10% in the stock market. The second scenario is which you've taken that million dollar gain and you haven't paid any capital gains tax and you invested that into an opportunity zone. Yeah. So let's not... What happens? Let's not overcomplicate it with the first threshold at five years. Let's assume you... Forget the five years. Let's assume you hold this, both of these... Let's go 10 these investments for well let's do seven let's, first let's go seven <laughs> <laughs> so at seven years you get that 15 percent discount we talked about right so your your stock portfolio your stock investment now would be 1.3 million dollars if you had paid the taxes up front and invested seven hundred sixty-two thousand dollars. okay so that's 762 is now now 1. worth 1.3 okay yeah that's after seven years if you had taken that one million dollars and just invested at ten percent, not having to pay the taxes, then you're at one point five million after seven years. Gotcha. But now you pay fifteen percent on the, uh, or you, you get a fifteen percent discount on those capital gains. And what are you left with? One point five. Oh, that's the net. Okay. So assuming net. you've paid the okay after you pay the capital gains taxes that you owe at that point. Correct. Okay. So so you're already up how much? You're already up two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand dollars. This is amazing. Yeah. That's, now that's like one year of college. <laughs> now let's assume that you actually hold the investment for ten years. So okay, let's do the it. stock is now one point seven, roughly one point seven million. So okay. that's seven hundred and sixty two thousand compounded at ten percent over ten years, one point seven. And is that after you've sold the stock and then paid the capital gains taxes? Is this is this how the example yes. works? Okay. Yes. So you you can put one point seven in the bank. Correct. Okay. Now your opportunity fund, that's now worth 2.4 million. What? 2.4? Yeah, it's just because you it's more tax efficient, right? You haven't paid tax on it twice. So this is just to hear make sure I understand the numbers. You have 700,000 more dollars to put in the bank after 10 years. Correct. I mean, this is phenomenal. Like, I don't know what what are we doing here doing a podcast? We should be out there yeah. investing in opportunities. <laughs> if, if you have a deal on opportunity zone, send it our yeah, way. Yeah, call us. We're in. Uh, no, this is great. That was a great example because it does illustrate that this is super meaningful, right? Oh, well, I mean, th- thanks, Grayson. It, it's just, it, I think, you know, look, maybe this is me being intellectually lazy, but I've always thought tax advantages were kind of boring and not that meaningful. But in this case, this feels like one of those strategies that actually is significant. And, yeah. Uh, and I think the key to this, though, is that you can't let the tail wag the dog, right? There are going to be plenty of people that blow this and put their money in a bad deal because it just happens to be in an opportunity zone. Yeah. Because they want to save taxes. 
Well, that that's actually short sighted. The deal still has to make sense. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a bad investment with a good tax treatment is still a bad investment. Yeah. Because that 10% return that we're talking about, that's not guaranteed. Right. You know? right. I mean, that that is a, a modest type of return for private equity, but it's certainly not guaranteed if you put your money in a, a bad deal. So to me, this is a, a huge sweetener to a deal, an investment that you might make. It certainly should not be the driver for why you're going to do a deal. Because we really saw plenty of people during the last downturn, uh, especially in real estate, that you know I'm sure everybody's heard of a 1031 exchange. And if you haven't, it's a similar tax incentive deal where you can defer your taxes on a sale of a piece of real estate. So there's plenty of people during 2007, 2006 that had a huge gain and they used this 1031 exchange and they went out and they just quickly put money into another deal and they almost didn't care about the, the fundamentals of that deal just because they didn't want to pay the taxes. They wanted to defer. And lots of those people lost everything because they were letting the, the tail wag the dog. So I think that's critical here is you got to make sure that the deal still makes sense. You're not going into a, a market that's going to continue to decline. You're going into a market that has some positive signs of growth and, and you think you can turn around. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It, it, it definitely makes a, a deal you might have otherwise thought was interesting, even more interesting. And perhaps it makes a deal that was on the margin now actually compelling and something you want to do, but you, you do have to look at the fundamentals. Of course. Yeah. It, you know, it's, you can't just go to Flint, Michigan and, you know, put money in because it's, I'm assuming it's an opportunity zone. And assume that everything's going to be cherry. Yeah. Okay. So that that's a great point. You know, fundamentals still have to make sense. And then I, I, you know, just a, a technical issue. I think a lot when a lot of people hear about these things, it's like, well, wait a minute. Why don't I just go buy a piece of property in a qualified opportunity zone and get those tax benefits? Uh, remember, you do have to do this through a qualified opportunity fund, um, and that is a you know again that's an LLC, that's a C corp. That you know I think it can it can self designate as a as a qualified opportunity fund. Uh, with a form from the U.S. Treasury, but there's some there's a little bit of hoops you have to jump through. But again, it's not complicated. And it's not that uh, it's not that intensive. So it's it's possible. There's there's information out there online where you guys can learn a lot more about this. Um, I certainly hope that all of your education of this is not going to come from this podcast. But we'll, we'll put resources too on the website. Yeah, we'll at, do that. Uh, what the alternative investor show dot com. Good plug. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go, this is so again. This is a very exciting piece of that 2017 tax code. Um, it is meaningful. I think we'll start to hear a lot more about this going forward as the as the IRS clarifies a lot of the remaining questions around this. So, well, speaking of that, I'm I'm actually curious from your private equity chair. You know, does this make sense for for you guys and looking at businesses that you might not otherwise look at? Yeah, I think the way I would think about it from on the from the private equity side is that you know, deals that might be sort of somewhat interesting or on the margin now start to look a lot more interesting. And so, you know, you, you might have, you might find a deal that has a meaningful, you know, a modest return and you thought, okay, well, I don't know. I might keep looking. That one's not that interesting. But now when you layer, if it isn't a qualified opportunity zone, uh, now it actually starts to look very interesting. And so, you know, my partner and I are still kind of working through the details on how this affects our investors because we kind of have to think about their tax treatment. But yeah, this is something that we're definitely paying attention to. Yeah, and something that we didn't really touch on with the real estate is this improvement concept that you know you actually have to improve the oh, good the, point the real estate. Um, you can't just you know buy something and you know clip, sit on it, clip yeah. coupons. You actually the, the whole point of this is that you're investing in these areas and improving these areas. But with businesses, I guess there isn't that qualification, right? Yeah, that's I didn't see anything that required you to grow the business a certain rate or anything like that. It, do, it does seem that real estate they require you to substantially improve the property. Whereas if you're buying a business, um, 
I guess you just got to keep it going. Keep, keep the uh, keep people having jobs. That's what they're happy with. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So good luck. Yeah. Read it. Read more about this online. You can actually Google qualified opportunities, and we'll put some stuff on our website. It's kind of fun to look through the um, the map. A, yeah, the map. You can see where these things are. They're uh, real. They're out there. Unfortunately, my home. I don't think your home are in uh, qualified opportunity zones. No. 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 That would be nice though. Yeah. Okay. Good luck out there. Thanks for listening to the Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.